Friends, I uh, want to uh, welcome you to Chapelwood United Methodist Church. My name is Peter. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you as we continue our series talking about the wisdom and use of money. Uh, John Wesley wrote, there are three rules to the use of money, to earn all you can, to save all you can, and to give all you can. I think we would all agree that we are wired to give. We are wired to care. Uh, we find those uh, pictures on TV or those stories in the newspaper, and we are motivated uh, to help out those who are less fortunate. Uh, God has blessed us with what we have, uh, not as uh, here, use it to your own devices, uh, but rather um, everything that we have and all that we are is a gift from God. And God asks us to hold on to it until a time that God needs it. And so uh, today during worship, we'll be looking at those stories of uh, how God calls us uh, to help out and to be a part of the work of the kingdom. Uh, I wanna uh, invite you, uh, if you're a guest here today, uh, not to feel over pressure. Uh, we've been talking about money for three or four weeks now, and today's a day that we're going to share uh, our pledge cards. Um, please know that you're a guest. We don't ask the guests to pay the bill, but we're glad that you're here today. Why don't you take a moment and stand up and greet your neighbor. Uh, welcome everybody in from the rain. All right, here we go. Let's sit here and there we go. All right, have all our friends come in. How are y'all? Good. What is this I have right here? An orange? No. It's an apple. So what do you do with an apple? You eat it. You can shoot it off of someone's head with an arrow, okay, for archery practice. You can eat it. Um, you can also chop it up and make something. Apple pie. Or is there something inside of it that you could do something with? The seeds, that's right. So if I take this apple and I eat it all, just nom, 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 eat the whole thing, and I eat, either eat the seeds or I throw them away, what happens? They don't get planted. And Maybe if I eat all the apples in all of the world and I don't save any of their seeds and plant them, what would happen? There would, there would be no apples left. It's awful. It's awful. You know, this apple is kind of like money. I really like apples. I like money as well. And if I go and spend all of my money on whatever and I don't save any of it, and plant any of it, if I don't invest any of my apple seeds, my money seeds, into something really important, all those things that, I, that are really important to me will be neglected. They're not getting the care that I need. And today, we're talking about what it means to give all you can. And part of giving all you can is that you've got to work really hard, and then you've got to save, and then you've got to invest and it's kind of like planting um, you want to invest in good things you want to give money to good things uh, and so you want to make sure that you're giving to what God is doing in the world because that's something really important 
So when you look at an apple, think about all the things that can be done with an apple and let it remind you of all the things that can be done with your money. But most importantly, you want to make sure that you put your money to good use. Will you pray with me? Praying eyes and praying hands. Dear Lord, we thank you for apples. We thank you for blessings. Help us to use both well. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Uh, please join me for the prayer of illumination. Let us pray. For all you have given, we are thankful. For all you will say today, we are listening. For all you call us to do, we are ready with eager hands and open hearts. Form us, Lord. Make us into your people, and we will transform the world. Amen. Today's scripture is from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And it's going to be a hard one not to sing. Jesus entered into Jericho and was passing through town. A man there named Zacchaeus, a ruler among tax collectors, was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he couldn't because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to that spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay at your home today. So Zacchaeus came down at once, happy to welcome Jesus. Everyone who saw this grumbled, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone, I repay them four times as much. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this household because he too is a son of Abraham. The human one came to seek and save the lost. The word of God for the people to God. Amen. So in the spirit of generosity, um, Kate Walker is over at Columbia United Methodist Church uh, preaching there uh, this morning. Their pastor is on vacation. Um, and so a couple months ago, he called. Uh, it's one of the things I like about uh, being Methodist is the connectional system of being able to care for uh, each other. Many of you are familiar with Highland Park United Methodist Church in Dallas, very affluent congregation with great pastoral leadership. It's a wonderful bright spot uh, in all that Methodism does. Uh, Leighton Farrell was one of the pastors there at Highland Park for many years. Uh, when he came to that uh, church as a young pastor, um, he heard about a man who, when he was young, uh, in a rural town, made a commitment to the pastor there that as uh, they grew in income, they would always tithe 10%. Uh, this gentleman did really well, uh, in fact, moved in from the rural area, uh, became a, kind of a, 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 a titan of industry there in Dallas, uh, that as he began, uh, when he made $10,000, he'd pledge and tithe $1,000. When he made his first $100,000 year, he pledged and tithed 10,000. When he made a million dollars, he was excited to be able to write that check out for $100,000. This man told the story uh, to Pastor Farrell uh, often. 
until the moment when the man hit uh, a great oil boom, made $6 million as an individual. And he, he goes to, to Pastor Farrell's office and he says, Leighton, I, I can't do this. I, I can't write a check out for $600,000 to the church. Pastor Farrell just sat behind his desk and waited. Power of silence is wonderful. And the gentleman said, Pastor, you got to do something. I really don't think I can do this. I can't break the covenant that I've made with my friend and with God, but I can't do this. And so Pastor Farrell got up. He had a kneeler, uh, kind of like a little section of an altar rail, and he kneeled down and began to pray silently. And this went on for a number of minutes, stretching into 10 or 15 minutes. The, the, the businessman couldn't stand it. He was anxious to hear what was going to happen. He, he said, Pastor, Pastor, what are you doing? Are you praying to, to God to let me out of my covenant? Pastor Farrell said, no, I'm praying that God will reduce your income uh, to $10,000 so you'll be more comfortable giving $1,000 to the church. It's been a hard week for jokes. Um, so, so it's interesting about this phrase that we've spent a lot of time talking about, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. What's interesting about it, it has been misquoted numerous times. That politicians love to talk about kind of the conservative economy and how we're built on the back of consumer buying. And so, therefore, earn all you can and save all you can because then you can be part of the engine of the economy, right? Margaret Thatcher said this uh, as Prime Minister of uh, England, quoting John Wesley, I encourage you to earn all you can and save all you can. And all the Methodists were going, you got one more. Give all you can. Uh, You see, we are wired to give. Uh, Sometimes we're wired to give in a way to get prominence or out of pride. Sometimes we're wired to give out of accomplishments to be able to say that we're able to do that. I love the story that uh, my brother-in-law, Gaston Warner, who is executive director of Zoe Ministries, the videos that we played, um, uh, this church uh, is actually uh, sponsoring a working group, 40 to 60 orphans in Kenya. Um, In fact, in February, if you'd like to take a trip for a week to visit our working group, uh, Gasson would love to have you come to Kenya to see the children whom we are helping and how they might help us. I love the story that Gasson tells. When he went to the Woodlands United Methodist Church, he won't put this in print. I keep telling him this is his best marketing uh, material, but he won't put this in print. He says uh, that he went to the Woodlands and he, he raised like a quarter of a million dollars uh, for a number of working groups. And afterwards, as he walks out of the church after the Sunday where they collected all of that money, there was a a gentleman who was quite affluent who sidled up to Gaston and said, so, when do I get to go to Africa? I wrote half, I wrote the check for half that money. And Gaston said, see, you misunderstand. I really don't need you. You get in the way if I take you to Africa. What I need is your money because it'll make a difference in the lives of orphans. 
earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can, recognizing that all that we have and all that we are is a gift from God, and that we're stewards of that gift until God needs it back. When we look at Scripture today, uh, we find uh, Zacchaeus, and I, I agree with Steve, it's hard not to sing, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? That could be the anthem, right? <laughs> But imagine, right, so Luke takes us to Jesus as Jesus is traveling uh, to Jericho. As uh, he comes along the way, there is a strange man climbed up in a tree uh, to see Zacchaeus. Did you ever ask the question, why is Zacchaeus so hot to trot to see and to be seen by Jesus? Now, Luke might give us a little bit of a clue. If you rewind the tape uh, a few chapters before then, uh, Luke tells us the story that Jesus had um, gone to a dinner party by the tax collector Matthew, uh, who had invited a number of tax collectors to be there. It was actually the, 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 the standard tax collectors and sinners. So, so maybe Zacchaeus isn't just gawking from a tree at this spectacle that's coming, but rather Jesus had, or Zacchaeus had sat at the table at a dinner party, that he had been loved and accepted, that he had been in the presence of Jesus, who didn't judge him for being a traitor to his country, didn't judge him for amassing all of this wealth, didn't judge him for all the things that his neighbors would have said about Zacchaeus. Instead, Jesus loved him. I have to imagine that if I've been loved by somebody like that and accepted, chances are I'm going to climb a tree to make sure I can see when he comes by. And so when Jesus comes by with the crowd and looks up into the tree and sees Zacchaeus there in the tree, it wasn't, hey, you strange man, I'm going to your house today, but rather, hey, Zacchaeus, wonderful. I've been thinking about you. Wasn't it great when we were together over at Matthew's house? Hey, let's do it again. I'm coming to your house. Let's have a dinner party. And Zacchaeus is um, struck. Uh, he is moved uh, in the split second of a moment. He goes from being the man who amasses all of the wealth at the cost of his neighbors and suddenly says, oh, wait a minute, Lord. If you're coming to my house, I need to make things right. You see, in Jewish culture, to eat at the table with someone was to say that you and they were similar, right? Uh, good Jews wouldn't eat with Gentiles. Good Jews wouldn't eat with Samaritans. Good Jews were smart about who they would eat with. They didn't want to get unclean. In some ways, you can think about this as, um, <laughs> I always hate it when I sit down at a really fancy meal and there's multiple forks, and there's multiple knives, and there's a number of glasses, and trying to figure out, I'm looking around the table, right? Especially when we kind of cram everybody in around those banquet tables, right? All right, is this my water? No, no, that's their water. I didn't touch that, right? Um, it's kind of one of those moments of, um, you, would, you know, some folk wouldn't eat with people who don't know which fork to use first, right? So they would choose not to eat with me. I understand. It makes sense. I usually, you know, use my sleeve to wipe my mouth. I get it, right? There's kind of a way to do things. And if you don't do the way that um, folk do, then you don't eat with them, right? Um, this is the same experience that Zacchaeus had had with Jesus. Jesus sat at a table and ate with him. And then uh, Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. 
oh my gosh, it's time to get my house in order. And so Zacchaeus uh, knew instinctually that he had way too much and that he had cheated others. And so he says, if I've cheated anyone, I'll pay them back four times. This is a great transformation uh, for a man who probably pinched every penny and got where he was, uh, not by caring for others, but by watching the bottom line. But in the presence of Jesus, he has a hard time keeping that up. He realizes that riches are not in the uh, account, a bank account total, but rather in the love and acceptance that comes in the face of Jesus. And so Zacchaeus changes and transforms. I wonder how you uh, think about uh, all that we have and all that we are. You've heard me say that regularly. All that we have and all that we are is a gift directly from God. What's interesting about those statements, it's not from Scripture, uh, but it is from the wedding uh, liturgy for the United Methodist Church. It's been something that Amy and I have invested our lives in. We remember those things, uh, those words that were said at our wedding, and we recognize that all that we have and all that we are uh, is a gift from God, and we only hold that gift until God is ready for that gift Some people say that there are three kinds of givers. Uh, There's the flint, let me get this right. There's the flint, there's the sponge, and there's the honeycomb. The flint givers, you gotta pound them and beat them and about all you get out of them are little sparks and little shards and little flecks. Now the sponge, sponge has a lot in it, but you gotta squeeze it to get it out. But the honeycomb, the honeycomb, have you, have you, uh, I, I have a pastor friend who lives out in Fulcher and he has, um, he's a beekeeper and uh, he says the most diverse place in Fort Bend County is the beekeepers association. He says, cause you've got doomsday preppers, you've got um, uh, uh, um, suburban uh, beer brewers, and you've got agricultural folk, and you've got farmers and ranchers, and then one Methodist pastor. And he says that honeycomb is just a beautiful thing. He says you, you pull that slate out from the hive, and it just oozes over with honey. You don't have to beat it. You don't have to squeeze it. The nature of honeycomb is to give. I wonder, maybe Zacchaeus was a flint before, but having the experience of Jesus, being gracious and gratitude and feeling overwhelmed, he becomes a honeycomb. Now, oftentimes in America, we think about uh, funding the church by way of charity, right? We're, um, I recently went uh, on a, a trip to England um, for 10 days uh, for free, uh, all at the generosity of the Lilly Foundation. Every time we got done with a meal or a speaker or got off the train or off the plane, we'd say, thanks, Aunt Lily," because we were thankful for Lilly Foundation's generosity. Uh, now, while over there, we got a chance to spend time at St. Martin in the Fields, which is a church right on the edge of Trafalgar Square, very historic. Um, it's kind of like a St. Paul's Methodist in the museum district, writ large. And um, the rector there, Sam Wells, used to be the dean of the chapel at Duke University, and he told us about kind of how funding of churches happened. St. Martin in the Fields was a royal parish, uh, so King George, uh, when he wanted a new church, uh, he wrote it into the royal budget, and voila, this beautiful architectural masterpiece was built 
No building campaign, no exploratory committee, no three-year commitment above and beyond what you're already tithing to the church. If the king wants it, the king gets it. Now, Sam says there's uh, some strings that come attached to that. Uh, One is is that a cousin of the queen comes to church every week, and that's a little bit uh, unrattling. Uh, He says also the queen shows up twice a year, and uh, she never announces when she's coming. Uh, I'd be a little worried. That's like, you know, what's worse than your DS and the bishop showing up to listen to your sermon? How about the queen? But over time, uh, the designation of the royal parish uh, came with less and less money. And so St. Martin in the Fields went into a stewardship campaign, much like we do today. Um, But in London at this point, uh, when we were there, we were told that 8% of people in London attend church. Imagine doing a stewardship campaign off of only 8% of the people in the population. So now they've realized that funding the church moves from just, not just stewardship or having a benefactor, but they have... um, Uh, renovated the whole crypt underneath the church, made it into a high-end cafeteria. Uh, They employ 120 people, uh, and they feed most of the tourists who come through Trafalgar Square. Um, He calls it a new way of funding ministry. It's the entrepreneur way of funding ministry. But when you think about charity and stewardship, charity is something that happens in a moment, right? I, I put a dollar um, in the red bucket at Salvation Army. I don't think about it. It happens in a moment. Um, when I'm there at the cash register at the gas station, I see the bucket and the, um, the benefit uh, for someone who's gotten cancer. I put a dollar in. I don't think about it. It happens in a moment. Charity is given out of the abundance that I might happen to have in my wallet at the moment, but stewardship, stewardship doesn't happen in a moment. It happens over the course of a lifetime. Stewardship is not out of my abundance, but rather out of exactly who I am and what God's given me. Uh, Charitable gifts are a response to an immediate need, but stewardship is that discipline that lasts a lifetime. Charity I give off the top. Stewardship I give from my whole being. I wonder how we treat the work of the church. Do we treat it as charity or do we treat it as stewardship? I'm uh, amazed that God wants our gifts, but does not need them. Jesus counts based on not the size of our gifts, but the impact that it has on the giver. Think of the widow's might, right? Um, The widow puts in two coins, coins that are so small and so light that when placed into the trumpet containers outside the temple, they make no noise. Now, in a little bit, we're going to do a noisy offering. And I want you to hear how our coins make noise as they go into metal buckets. This woman gave so much of what she had, but it was so little compared to others. And Jesus holds her out as an example of giving Uh, Jesus counts our gifts based not on the difference it makes in the church's budget, but on the difference it makes in the giver's life. Based not on how much people give, but on how much they have left over afterwards. Based not on the amount, but the capacity of the giver. John Wesley says, earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Not out of pride, not out of accomplishment, but out of making a difference in other people's lives. I want to close with one uh, story which I think helps cast uh, the environment that we're looking at. Um, In 257, the Roman Emperor Valerian started a new round of persecutions. Uh, He went into Rome and um, demanded from the Pope uh, that the treasury of the church be transferred over to the emperor's treasury. Um, The Pope held the line and said no. Uh, Most of the Pope's 
Uh, most of the Pope's staff, the Pope and the Curia all were beheaded because of his resistance. Now in the uh, Catholic Church at that time, there were seven deacons that were in charge of the budget and administering uh, the budget to care for the poor. Um, now Lawrence, one of uh, the deacons, um, he quickly realized what was happening and took the treasury of the church and dispersed it among the blind, uh, the lame uh, and the beggars that the church usually took care of occasionally. And then he went to Valerian and said, I hear that you'd like the treasures of the church. Um, I can give them to you. Uh, Valerian said, great, if you will give me the treasures of the church, I promise I won't kill you, I will let you go. Valerian was very interested in amassing more wealth. And so uh, Lawrence says, I need three days and I'll assemble the treasuries of the church at this specific location. If you'll show up, you can collect it at that time. And so Lawrence went around to all of the lame, the blind, the beggars, those who depended upon the church, those who had the church's treasury in their homes and said, out of gratitude for what you've received, come join me for a party at this specific location. And so on the third day when Valerian showed up, he walked into a party, a party of the poor, uh, the lame, the blind, the deaf, those who had nothing to offer, but were grateful for what they had. And Lawrence said, Valerian, Here's the treasures of the church. Now, the sad part of the story is that Lawrence died uh, for his witness. Um, uh, but the beauty of the moment is to remind us uh, that what we have and who we are uh, is a mount of gratitude uh, that births itself in generosity. That when we realize what we have is not ours, but rather we are stewards of it, it is easier to give. It is an opportunity to be wired to care for others. It's to participate together in the miracles that God will do in the year to come. Um, I don't know if this place has ever benefited you. If it has, how much gratitude do you have for that? How might you give in a way that shows that gratitude so that others might be blessed by the blessing that God's given you? Inside your bulletin, there are uh, pledge cards. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more uh, down the road, uh, but recognizing that the treasures that we have are not the coins in our account, but the ways in which we are grateful for how the uh, Lord has taken care of us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, Chapel at United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others take their next step in their faith journey with Christ. Every journey begins with a first step. And for me, the noisy offering is the beginning for our children to kind of think best about how who and what they have is really a gift from God. I really enjoyed um, one cute little kiddo who wanted to fill out and uh, put in her children's uh, um, uh, pledge card and placed it in with enthusiasm. Uh, the way that we grow uh, givers like y'all um, is to start when they're young so that they can see that all that they have and all that they are is a good gift from God. Um, some of the other next steps that are possible, uh, hope that you might um, uh, commit to be a part of Harvest Festival. Uh, there are trunks that you can take. Uh, they're right outside. Um, they're little note cards. We'd like every trunk to be a scripture story, and LM has some suggestions about that. Um, there's also live music. There's food. There's booths to work. Um, we'd love for you to come and join us on Halloween night as we do uh, that work together. Uh, also, not this Monday, but the following Monday, there'll be a Bible study starting 
starting at the Worst House uh, at 6.30. Come and have uh, dinner with me, and uh, we'll be looking at uh, Wesley's Three Simple Rules, Do All the Good You Can, um, uh, Do No Harm, and Stay in Love with God. And then lastly, next Sunday is All Saints Sunday. We'd really love for you to take pictures of saints who have already gone on to their reward that are important to you and bring them here. We'll place them on the altar. Uh, it can be a framed picture. It can be a loose picture, whatever uh, works best for you. They do not have to be a member of this congregation. Uh, if they are saints to you, they are saints to us, and we'd love to have them on the altar. We will be reading a list uh, of those members of the church uh, who have died uh, in the last year. Uh, so we look forward uh, to you joining together with us in our All Saints uh, Remembrance. Grab a hand of someone next to you for our closing benediction. I'll be standing over here as the Stephen minister. Uh, if you um, would like to pray with someone, I'm sure there'll be a Stephen minister here that would love to pray with or for you or to arrange care for you. Remember the brown door back here is our prayer chapel. We hope that you'll take advantage of it uh, this week. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Almighty, Almighty God, we give thanks that all that we are and all that we have is a gift from you. May we honor you with that gift. Out of gratitude comes generosity as we give thanks for all that you've done. May we be your hands and feet to help bandage the wounds of the world so that all might come to know your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you.